So we're holding with Rachov. That's the two spies down the chevel, the rope in the window. It's the other side of the wall. And the parting advice to them, Go towards the mountains. In case you meet the people who went to chase you. Like we saw before, the guards went to chase them, they went towards the Yarden. So they were also going towards the Yarden and meet the soldiers. And therefore, she told them to go in the opposite direction, away from the Yarden, towards the mountains. Hide yourselves there for three days. In other words, she understood how she knew it was either the Daxes, maybe she had some kind of a Ruch HaKodesh, or if you're not going to see that's the case, then she, the assumption was that it wouldn't look more than three days. And therefore she said, if you wait for three days, by then the soldiers will come back and then you're free to go. Okay, that makes sense. And now we see a very interesting pasuk. So now the two spies have been lowered to the other side of the wall. They said, let's be free to go. And this is after that she asked them to promise that uh, they would save her and her family's lives. And they said they would. We saw in the pasuk before. And they were prepared to risk themselves, so to speak, to save her. And now it's an interesting thing. And now the men tell her, We free from responsibility to the Shavu you made us promise. Beforehand, they've agreed to promise. And now when they're on the other side of the wall, they say we, we absolve the responsibility. In what case? When we arrive in the land. So now we have conditions for you. The first one is, The rope that you used to lower us from the wall tied in the window that would be a simon to the Jewish soldiers that that way Rachav lives they would leave her alone and that's the first point she asked to save so all of them bring them on to your house because then we know to protect the house and then she says therefore anybody who goes at the doors of your house, we're not responsible for him. He's responsible for his own death. Everyone in the house, that's our responsibility. So that's the second condition. The first condition was that she has to tie the string in the window. The second one, everyone in the family that she wants to be saved has to be inside her house. And the third condition, if she spreads the information to other people, and as a result, other people will come into her house also who aren't part of her family. Then if that's the case, then they're free from obligation to the shvur which you made them promise. Now, they're all logical conditions. Yes, yeah. two horrors. Let me just finish I want to ask, and then you'll hear the They're all logical conditions. The question, in other words, the fact that they can't be responsible for a family if they're all over the place, they wouldn't know who they were. Same thing. The, all the Jewish soldiers wouldn't be able to identify where Rachel's house was. Same thing. They don't want it to be used as a escape route for everybody else in Yerichai. So all the conditions are very logical. The question is, why didn't they say this originally? When they were still in her house, so to speak, and she made them swear, then they swore without any conditions attached. They agreed to Mechai themselves, as we saw before. And now only afterwards, when she lets them out, now they feel that they can make conditions on the agreement they made before. Why wasn't that... Uh, so to speak, unfair or maybe wrong to first agree to a shvur without any strings attached, literally, but uh, without any conditions attached, let's say, and then afterwards uh, come back and add all these conditions and afterwards. So this brings us to an interesting halakhic discussion which 
the Malbin brings up over here, I'm going to a little bit also, and that is, there's a principle, is if a person makes a shvur under duress, is he mechuyev to be bound by that shvur or not? That, the Gemara says in the Dari, there's something called Nidri Anasim. And the case in the Gemara is that uh, Anasim, which means uh, people who are trying to extort money, whatever it is, come to a person, and they want to steal his money. And they want him to, and he wants to say, protect his uh, assets. So he wants to say that it belongs to Hektesh or it's Krum or whatever else it is. So they're not prepared to accept it. They make him a Kishwa. They make a nether that it's, it's true what you're saying. So the question is, is the nether made under duress halakhikli binding or not? It's makhlaikis in the Gemara about the Shwa, the Shwa also halakhikli binding if it's made under duress or not. It was only about to Nadarim. But it's a discussion. In other words, normally the principle is that if a person is making a nether or a shvur, it has to be something which is made because of his own volition to, to the commitment. And if it's made under duress, it doesn't work. Therefore, there would be a place to say that the shvur that the Miragli made to her when they were still on the roof of her house, and therefore pretty much at her mercy, would be a shvur made under extenuating circumstances. We made under conditions of oinus. They had no choice. And then she compels them to swear to the fact that they would protect her and her family, so then they're forced. And therefore, once they're on the other side of the wall, now they're no longer in the, so to speak, under compulsion. They're not in her mercy anymore. They're already free to go. Now they repeat the shvur to say that they accept the responsibility they made before, but with the conditions that they want to add in now. In other words, it wasn't reneging on the deal. That was the, 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 if, if they wanted to, they could have had grounds to say, we don't accept the, no, the shvur we made before. There would be questions of Tzalachic validity. But, but they accepted the Shvah. They just said that we go, that the, the, the agreement was to protect your family. These are the terms in order to protect your family. In other words, what, they agreed, what she originally asked for, to save her, her father, her mother, her brothers and her family, they agreed to. They didn't change their minds. They just said these are the conditions which you need in order to be able to protect your family. And therefore, that's the, the, the add this to so to speak, what they said, what they agreed to do before, that didn't go back on the original agreement. Even if you want to say that, you're allowed to look into the Despite these conditions, not as a way of, so to speak, reneging on the original commitment, it was just a way to ensure that the original commitment would be kept. So she agrees to that, she accepts it. But Taimu Kedivreichim Kainu, Vatashalchem Ayelechu, she lets them go. Vatik Shah as Tikva Sashani Bachalari. This is interesting. The agreement was that when Kla Yisrael arrived, then she needs to tie the string in the window. But that's what they said. When we arrive in the land, then then when we arrive, tie the string in the window because it will be the sign to save you. And now she sends him to God and already immediately she ties the string now. Now she just told him to wait for three days. So logically she shouldn't expect a, an immediate invasion. Right? She's waiting for this three days until the spies will go back. And then only afterwards they will come. Why was she already tying the string now? So there's two, two things to say. The first one is, like we saw before, Rachav the Shittah. So Rachav held, or said the whole time, everyone was so terrified of the Jews coming. So of course, she wasn't going to wait for later. If there was a way to save herself now, she was already going to put the string there now. That's a simple, very simple answer. But there's, there's another point here as well. This we're going to see more tomorrow in the next parak, And that is, she didn't know if the Jews were going to wait for the spies to come back before they were attacked. Because you're going to see that there was a, when we talk about the date line, exactly when it happened, right, that things changed between where the spies were sent and when, the, when Yeshua actually decided to, to march in, in, into, the, into the yard and, and stage the invasion. And therefore, even if the spies, she said, they had three days to go, 
there was a chashash that there would be a, that the Jews would arrive before that. And so she put, we will see it in the next parak. Basically, to say briefly, we have to work out the date line. Because what happened was like this. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu died on the 7th of Adar. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu's Shloshim finished on the 7th of Nisan. That will, will be 30 days later. We know that the Jews entered Eretz Israel on the 10th of Nisan. Right? So we have from the 7th to 10th of Nisan, we only have a three-day gap. Between when the Jews, so to speak, left, ended the Vedas for Moshe Rabbeinu until they entered Eretz Israel. Now, there was a day beforehand when Yeshua marches everybody from where they were in the Shetim until the banks of the Yadim. So you have two days left in the middle. If that's the case, when did the spies go and when did they come back? Because you have to find three days and we only have two days, so to speak, in the timeline, in between. And uh, so there's two different Mahal from the Farshim Rashi and some of us on the one side, other than the other side. The one Mahalach is that Yeshua actually spent the spies before the Shloshim was finished. In other words, the, he, spent the, he sent the spies earlier than he was meant to. He really should wait for most Shloshim to be finished. But Yeshua really sent the spies in advance. And therefore, they went, they came back. And uh, right away when they came back, Yeshua was already ready to march. So to speak, r- right away he called everyone to march. That's one Mahalach. Now the Mahalach is, and this is very interesting, and I'm unfortunate to say, that the story of the spies happened before the first parak. We saw before the first parak when Hashem comes to speak to Yeshua and give him the chizuk that he's going to be the leader and he's going to bring the Jews into Israel. Hashem only spoke to Yeshua after the situation for Moshe was finished. And it makes sense. Right? As long as Klaus were in Avedis, and they were dealing with the Avedis of Moshe, that wasn't the time to now encourage Yeshua as a new leader. Hashem waited for the situation to finish. Yeshua preempted that. He sent the spies in advance of that. And therefore, the truth is, once Hashem had told him, don't worry, I'm with you, and you're going to be successful, he didn't need the spies anymore. Right? Because the whole point of the spies, like we saw, was to boost the morale of Klaus Yisrael. They were scared. And uh, to be told that the Knanim are more scared of you than you are of them would boost their morale. That was not Yeshua's intention, like we saw in sending the spies. But once Hashem told them straight, don't worry, I'm with you, I'm taking care of you, there was no need for them anymore. And that's the case, Yeshua technically didn't have to wait for them. He was already given instruction, go. So he went. He met the spies on the way. But uh, he wasn't reliant on them anymore. So there would be a swara to say that the uh, same thing, Rachav wasn't prepared to wait. No, the spies will take three days, only after the stage attack. It doesn't have to be that bad. And according to this Muhammad, it actually wasn't. Yeshua had decided already to start preparing for the invasion even before the spies came back. What I meant is that the spies, before the spies came back, like I said, there was a night that they marched from where they were camped to the banks of the island. They only crossed oh, the island in the morning. The they the met the spies on the way. Oh, okay. They didn't wait for them. Could you say the reason she... Okay, so let's just finish the last tip. So they listened to they went to the mountains. They waited there for three days. Until the soldiers who went out to search them had come back. The whole way up and down the yard and where the crossing points were, the soldiers went to look for them, obviously they didn't find them. And therefore, they came back to Yerichai. Now, they came back from the mountains where they had been hiding. They crossed the yard They told him everything which happened to them. And what it means, everything which happened to them is not just the information which they had found out, and that is that everyone was scared of them, but the whole story with Rachel, and therefore that they had been come, made themselves responsible to save Rachel as well. Either what happened was that the Miraglim left beforehand on the 6th of Yunisan, they were the 7, 8, 9, and they came back on the 9th, 
and that was they spoke to Yeshua. And that same night, Yeshua decided to march, and they, that, that night they, they marched to the Yarden, and the tent and the cross in the morning. The other chat would be that uh, they only left, that Yeshua already decided on the ninth after hearing what Hashem had said to march, and he met them on the route to the Yarden. You know, whatever, whatever the, whichever you're going to understand the story, they crossed the yard and they met the Jewish people on the other side before they came back. The question was, did Yeshua wait for them to come back before giving the, the order to start marching? Or did Yeshua really decide to do that because he had heard Hashem's guarantee, don't worry, go, and he went. And then he met them before he crossed, so, they, they, so he, didn't, he wasn't waiting for them, so to speak. He met them on the, on the journey. Okay. And this is an interesting point. The, first, the second point they saw, Everybody's terrified of us. That's the, that's the evidence that Rachel gave them. That's what they gave back to Yosha. The first part of what they said is, Where do they see that? Where do they see that uh, Hashem had given them the land? The, the, I mean, the, obviously, Hashem was going to give them the land, so Hashem promised them, but as spies, where were they aware of that? So the Mephashim have two of you three different answers to answer this question. You know, what was the first part of the evidence? Because the uh, that wasn't it was definitely what they want, what they, they, they were right. But where was it, the, the, so to speak, the testimony that they come back to give? So it's interesting. The Malbim says in this that because they saw that they had been saved, that there was a certain Hashkoch protest that uh, the way that they were in the Rocha's house and they were hidden and that they managed to evade capture. So they said, You see, Hashem's looking after us. And if that's okay, it's just like Hashem's looking after us, we understand that. The futures of Klaistel's conflict is going to be successful also. That's why I'm um, The other one is what you, exactly is mirrors, and some bit of a deeper point, we'll say it quickly. It mirrors what you show him. He caught it himself, said the first time they went as Miraglim. And that is when they said, they came back to the Midbar, and they said to the whole Jewish people, the evidence of Yeshua and Kalev and Roski, Nasna Shem Hashem's given us the land. Exactly the same words he says here. Right? Why? Because Lashon was Sar Tzilam Their protection has left them. Right? And over there, the Mephoshim explained that there was a certain, uh, they felt there was a certain protection which was afforded by the Sar or the spiritual Koyach of that nation. And uh, the Miragni felt it was no longer there. And if that's the case, once they no longer had that spiritual protection of whatever the guardian angel was going to be, the Sar was going to be, so they felt that's why Hashem's given us the land. We know that the Gemara says that before Hashem punishes a nation, He first punishes the, or let's say, takes away the power from the spiritual protector, the guardian angel. And that they could feel. That when they were there, now this wasn't new. Yeshua Himself had said the same notion before. He came back to Moshe. So now the spies are coming back and saying the same thing. We were there, we felt that they lost their protection. And if that's the case, they opened for us the conquest. That's in Shemaim. And then the physical counterpart is, everyone's afraid of us. Right, if I can take one moment of your time, this place will be very beautiful. There's a Chazal which says like this. Chazal say, When you find nationalities, kings, like Miskaris, they are kind of guiding each other to war. So you should know, the says, It's time to anticipate maybe this is the time Mashiach is going to come. Why? So I heard from Rabbi Shapir, the chat like this. He said that when a, a nation loses its spiritual protection, the tsar leaves it, so to speak. Right? So it's felt here as a sense of fear. Right? When a nation has its spiritual protection, then they feel more confident. When they lose that spiritual protection, they feel afraid. 
And therefore, if you see nations which are looking to make war, the truth is they feel ill at ease, they feel unprotected. So you should know it's because their sire has lost its koyach. Now, it could be something because a different country is going to take it over. It could be because of a, the, the, the complete overturn of every, all of them, sorry, when Mashiach comes. And therefore, a sign to anticipate Mashiach is when you see that countries are looking to fight because you feel that they've lost their confidence. They, 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 they feel not protected. They, have to, they feel they have to go and protect themselves, so to speak, or armor themselves. It's because they've lost the koyach of their sire. It's the same thing over here. The fact that they saw that that everybody was so terrified of them, so I see that they've lost the confidence that they have from their side. And therefore, no, Kinos Nashem be a dangerous target. You know, like Rosh Baruch has given us, the, so to speak, the land, there's no longer a protection holding us, which is looking after them.